It's an evening of old-time radio. Comedy. Says no, mister. It's just Higgins, sir. National Broadcasting Company presents a new comedy series, It's Higgins, Sir, created and transcribed by Paul Harrison, and starring Harry McNaughton as Higgins. <laughs> a butler in the home of an average American family is unusual, to say the least. But when the butler is left to the family in a will, along with a Queen Anne silver service worth at least $10,000, that's news. Earlier this afternoon, the ace reporter of the Daily Dispatch called and made an appointment with Higgins, the butler, for pictures and an exclusive interview to appear as a front-page news story. Good afternoon, Mr. Roberts. You're home early, sir. Oh, good afternoon, Higgins. Is he here yet? Who, sir? Uh, the reporter. Is he here yet? Uh, no, sir, not yet. How did you know he was coming, sir? Uh, Mrs. Roberts called me. Uh, I don't understand why he couldn't interview me at the office. Oh, I think I can explain that, sir. You, you can? Yes, sir. You see, he's coming to interview me. He didn't ask to interview me at all? No, sir. Oh, probably a cub reporter on his first assignment. And that daily dispatch. The only thing it's good for is to wrap up fish. Fish? Oh, yes, Mr. Roberts. When you open your paper tomorrow morning and lift up a flounder, you'll find me underneath. <laughs> oh, hello, Philip. My, I'm glad you got here before the reporter did. Elizabeth, the Daily Dispatch didn't want anything from me at all. Oh, you're so wrong, sir. They do want something from you. They do? What? The newsboy mentioned it yesterday morning. They'd like you to pay your bills, sir. I think I'll cancel my subscription. What are you talking about, Phyllis? Why don't you go up and put on your dark blue flannel suit, dear? You look lovely in it. Elizabeth, stop saying I look lovely in that suit. Men don't want to look lovely. Why? Hey, they want to look strong and virile and handsome. Do I say so? That's putting quite a strain on the suit, isn't it, sir? <laughs> I should have stayed lovely. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Say, Elizabeth, where did you get that dress? Um... This dress? Mm -hmm. Well, dear, I... Uh, that is... Well, you want me to look my best in the picture, don't you? What picture? Well, naturally, the paper will want to take our picture. Elizabeth, did you go out and buy a new dress? Oh, it isn't really new. This style has been out for at least a month. So, so on the chance that this reporter might want a picture of you, you went out and bought a new dress. Well, if you put it that way, yes. I never noticed that tie you're wearing before, sir. Is it new? You keep quiet. <laughs> now, I'm going to go into my den and work. Now, just be quiet out here and don't talk too loud. Uh, yes, sir. I wouldn't give two cents for the story that reporter will get without talking to me. Higgins, he was so excited on the phone, I didn't dare tell him the reporter was coming to interview you. Oh, I understand, yes, madam, but I wish you'd warn me. You see, I walked head-on into a dangerous situation. Mr. Roberts might have gone off like a box full of fireworks. <laughs> and I would have been the punk. 
Do try to have the reporter talk to him, Higgins. You know how shy Mr. Roberts is. I do? Oh, yes, indeed, I do. I'll answer that, madam. Yes? Uh, my name's Wade. Oh, you're Higgins the butler. Oh, I say, you Americans are so shrewd. How could you tell I was a butler? Well, those striped trousers made me pretty sure you weren't the upstairs maid. <laughs> oh, Americans simply fascinate me. You see, I'm English. I never would have guessed. How nice of you to say that. I've gotten rid of my English accent rather well, don't you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. You've, you've got no accent at all. Thank you. None at all. You could be from Brooklyn. <laughs> what, a, what a lovely compliment, sir. To think you feel I might come from the very source of American culture. <laughs> come in, won't you? Who is it, Higgins? It's Mr. Wade, madam, from the dispatch. Mr. Wade, Mrs. Roberts. How do you do, Mr. Wade? Hello? Do come into the living room and sit down. Well, thank you, Mrs. Roberts. Perhaps you'd like some refreshment. Something to drink? Oh, yes, yes, thank you. That might save my day. Good. Higgins, would you serve tea? A tea, certainly, madam. Tea? You're going to serve tea? Yes. Will you have lemon or cream, sir? Bourbon. Can <laughs> I have a little more quiet out here? I'm trying to work out a very important legal case. May mean life or death for an unfortunate man. Life or death, dear? A murder case? A divorce case. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Roberts, sir, may I introduce Mr. Wade of the Daily Dispatch? Oh, yes. Wade. Dispatch. Fine paper. Excuse me. Busy, you know. Oh, say, Mr. Roberts, before you rush back to your work, uh, what's your reaction to inheriting a butler and a silver service? My reaction? Oh. Oh, you're not interested in... My reaction? Oh, yes. Yes, I am. Well, if you insist, now let's see. Uh, uh, better sit down, Mr. Wade, right there. That's it. Uh, uh, comfortable? Good. Yes. Now, now, this may take some time. Uh, yeah, but now, I have now, to give let a... me think. I said, let me think. I, I first heard of my distant relative, Sir Reginald Robertson, in the fall of 1935. Uh, yes, Or was it 1936? Uh, uh, no, it was 1940. Tommy was four. Yes, yes, that's it. No, fine. Oh, no, yes, would... yes. Tommy is my son. Now... He was four, and I was growing a mustache. That was 1939, dear. It was not, dear. That was when I was asleep in the backyard, and Tommy covered my face with wet cement. <laughs> uh, Mr. Roberts, sir, I Quiet, think that... Higgins. Mr. Wade asked me for my reaction. I take it back. Uh, sir Reginald died last spring, and before he died, he did an amazing thing. Yes, he asked me to bring him a whole water glass full of brandy with some tea in it. That's odd. It certainly was. He never had tea in his brandy before. <laughs> I never had tea in my bourbon before. That wasn't what I was going to mention. Sorry, sir. Well, watch yourself. Now, now, to continue. The amazing thing was the will he made. Sir Reginald left his fabulous Queen Anne silver service and... Higgins, his butler, to me. Yes, that's a fascinating story, all right. Uh, could I see the silver now? I want to take a picture. Picture of the silver? Yes. Well, right this way. Oh, very beautiful silver. Very old and worth at least $10,000. Oh, really, Mr. Roberts, we shouldn't allow the value to be printed. Why not? It seems so blatant, sir, so commercial, such bad taste. Higgins, I am not mentioning the value just to brag. I don't need to print the value. I insist. Here's the silver, Mr. Wade. Isn't it lovely? My family has polished that silver for over 200 years. 200 years, yeah. huh? 
Brother, it must have been dirty. <laughs> well, I'll take that picture now. Would you stand back, please? Am I far enough back, Mr. Wade? If I don't want to get too far back, I blur so easily. <laughs> yeah, Higgins, he doesn't want your picture. Just the silver. Ah, uh, there, now that makes a good shot. Yeah, I did it. And now I'll take a picture of you and Mrs. Roberts. Picture of me? Oh, oh, now, you don't really want a picture of me. Well, how about a picture of me? I'll just take one of Mr. and Mrs. Roberts. Oh, no, now, now, really, wait. Uh, pictures, they're, they're so childish. I'll run upstairs and get my knickers. <laughs> I had no idea you felt that way. But why should my feelings toward pictures disappoint you? Uh, come on, Elizabeth. Uh, why don't you and Mrs. Roberts just sit right there on the couch? Hmm? All right, come on, dear. Now, just sit here next to me. Oh, all right. If Mr. Wade wants my picture, too. Oh, this is the most modest family. Now, hold that pose. <clears throat> How does the profile look, Higgins? Huh? I tried the other profile, sir. This is the lumpy one. <laughs> How do I look, Higgins? Very beautiful, madam. I am an attorney, you know, Mr. Wade. I would say, sir, you were a very prominent attorney, Mr. Roberts. Please, Higgins. However true that is, we, we must be modest. I'll make a note of it. Now, steady. There. That's a pretty good picture. Uh, you might mention I'm a member of the firm of Bascom, Fine Feather, Bland, Span, Whirly, Pinza, and Roberts. Prominent attorney is shorter. Well, I think that just about does it. Beg pardon, sir, but I believe you've forgotten something. Well, no, I've got everything. Pad, pencil, camera, flashbulbs, everything. Check again, sir. Higgins, the man's busy. He has other things to do. I give up. What did I forget? Well, sir, on the phone earlier today, your editor said you were coming out to take a picture of me. Oh, I'm sorry. For some reason, it slipped my mind. <laughs> really, Higgins? I didn't know you were so egotistical. All right, we're all set for the picture. Uh, uh, smile, Higgins. Yes, Higgins, a nice big smile now. Smile? But shouldn't I look natural? Go ahead and smile. Very well, madam. There you are. Yeah. Well, back to the picture without the smile, hmm? Got the picture. Why, Higgins, I never realized it before, but actually, you're a very good-looking man. Me, madam? Good-looking? Oh, that's not what my father said about my appearance. Well, he was wrong. You're quite handsome. Can you imagine that? And my father said I was ugly. That's why I've been shaving with my eyes closed for 30 years. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. There it is, right on the front page. Oh, my. Wait till Philip sees himself. Breakfast is served, madam. Uh, what is that, dear? The, the morning paper? Oh, the morning paper. Oh, I'm so excited. Wait until you see the front page. Oh, really, Liz. It can wait till after breakfast. Well, don't you want to see it, Higgins? Oh, no, madam, no. I'm perfectly willing to wait and read it at the normal time. Uh, just throw the paper on the couch in the living room, dear, and come on in. My, doesn't the coffee smell good? Well, if you two are going to be so casual about it. But the story's right there on the front page with lovely pictures. Pictures? I have it, Higgins. Thank you. Yes, but you elbowed me, sir. Yeah. Hey, they did turn out good. Look at that. Doesn't your profile look nice? <laughs> I guess you're right, Liz. And uh, look, my double chin doesn't show. 
Is my picture in there? The... Oh, excellent photographs of both of us. And you look just beautiful, dear. Is my picture in there, sir? Oh, now, Philip, you're just saying that. Oh, no, no, I mean it. They're just as beautiful as the day I married you. Is my picture in there, sir? Your hair looks good, dear. It's so nice and wavy. Elizabeth, that's a wrinkle in the paper. <laughs> Does the article say anything about me, sir? Madam? Sir? Anyone? <laughs> Higgins, stop leaning on me and peeking over my shoulder. So sorry, sir, but I've mislaid my periscope. <laughs> Higgins, I didn't want to make an issue of this yesterday, but, uh, well, I was a little embarrassed at the way you pushed yourself into the conversation with that reporter. As a matter of fact, I noticed that, Mr. Roberts, too, yes. I pushed and I pushed... Pushed. I still couldn't get in. Well, listen to this article. The collection of Queen Anne silver was breathtaking in its beauty. Its value of $10,000 placed on it by Mr. Roberts seemed modest. Much too low for artwork of such excellent craftsmanship. Is my picture in there, sir? Here's the part about you, Higgins. The silver was brought to America by Sir Reginald's personal representative, a Mr. Miggins. Uh, Mr. Miggins? <laughs> <laughs> he put a Mr. in front of your name and misspelled it. <laughs> Philip, you're not being very nice. <laughs> Miggins? Miggins? <laughs> you ever heard of such an absurd name? I'm terribly sorry, Higgins. Oh, that's all right, madam. I don't mind. Not really. Higgins... I owe you a lot for making that front page article possible. And I owe it all to you. Miggins. <laughs> Miggins. Miggins. Mig asinine, that's what it is. Where are you going, Higgins? To cancel my order for 30 copies of the morning paper I was going to send back to England. I've turned out to be nothing but a misprint. <laughs> Hello? Are you there? Oh, oh yes, madam. Just a moment. Mrs. Roberts, a call for you, madam. Oh, thank you, Higgins. I'm leaving for Mr. Roberts' office now, madam. If you'll excuse me. He asked me to bring down his briefcase. All right, Higgins. Hello? Oh, yes, Myra. The silver service. Oh, yes, wasn't that a nice article? How many women called you... Sixty-five? But if they come over one at a time, it'll take a year. What? Show the silver at the club and let them all come over there to see it all at once? Why, Myra, that's a sensational idea. Yes. I'll come over with it right away and invite everybody. I'll leave as soon as Tommy comes home from school. He can help me carry it to the car. Goodbye, Myra. And thanks. Yes, Miss Perrin? Who? Oh, Higgins, yes. Yeah, we'll send him right in. Uh, yes. Uh, come right in, Higgins. Come on in. Uh, yes, sir. Very good, sir. My word, sir. Your office is very impressive. <laughs> oh, just a place to work in. I say, in all these books... Well, there must be thousands of them. Oh, really not so many, Higgins. Just a few legal books that I use constantly. You, uh, you use them all the time, sir? Ah, this one here looks rather interesting. <laughs> Seems rather dusty. <clears throat> Put it back, Higgins. <laughs> I say, you mustn't have used this one for a day or two. 
Did you bring my briefcase? Uh, yes, sir. Briefcase here you are, sir. I want to get something out of my desk here. I uh, bought a few copies of the Daily Dispatch. A few copies, sir? There must be at least 25, sir. Uh, 25. Uh, yes, that newsboy was such a good salesman. <laughs> Higgins, I want to tell you again how much I appreciate that article. Even Bascom congratulated me. Prestige for the firm. That sort of thing. Naturally, I wouldn't have thought of that angle. I'm positive that never occurred to you, sir. Uh, 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 yes, Miss Perrin? Who? Uh, Mr. Lang. Never heard of him. Tell him I'm busy. Yeah. Tell him I'm... Where did you say he was from? The Department of Internal Revenue Income Tax Division? Yes. Send him in. Now, why would an income tax man want to see me? I made up my return correctly. Well, practically correctly. I, I didn't make any mistakes. I, I, I got it. Oh, oh, he's here to make a refund. I thought I'd paid too much. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> Mr. Roberts? Yes, yes. Come in, Mr. Lang. Come in. Well, this is a new one. I'd almost say you were glad to see me. Oh, 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 oh I am. Yes, sir. I, I'm very glad. Shall I leave, Mr. Roberts? Are uh, you Mr. Miggins? My name is Higgins. I'd like you to stay, Mr. Higgins. There's no Mr., sir. It's just Higgins. Now, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get down to the reason for your coming. Here. All right. It's a matter of money, Roberts. Tax money. Oh, I figured that's what it was. <laughs> How much is it? In round figures. Round, square, triangular. Who cares as long as it's money? Well, I'd say it was about uh, two thousand dollars. Two it two thousand dollars? You're gonna pay me two thousand dollars? Pay you. Two thousand dollars. Oh, 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 brother, I, I've hit the jackpot. Wait till I tell Liz. Yes, if the evaluation on the Queen Anne Silver Service is correctly stated in the paper, you owe the government roughly uh, $2,000. <laughs> $2,000? I, I owe the government. <laughs> on the Silver Service? Oh, no. Oh, no, that, that's not, that's impossible. You're, you're kidding me. I knew, sir, we shouldn't have put the value in the paper. $2,000, Mr. Roberts. And we're very grateful for the article on the front page of the dispatch. Sure, that's a lot of nonsense. There's no tax due on that silver. It, it's an inheritance. The silver service was a gift, and any taxes paid were collected by the British government. Offhand, I'd say you owe the United States government $2,000. My word, how offhand can you get? $2,000. Now, I'd like to go out to the house this afternoon and uh, place an evaluation on the silver. I'm busy this afternoon. All right. But you know how the interest piles up on these delinquent tax bills, eh? That's what I said. We'll go out this afternoon. Right now. Fine. Fine. I'll uh, wait for you in the outer office. Higgins. Sir? Oh, what a stupid thing to do. Giving the value of the silver right in the paper. I suggested, sir, you not print the value. Why didn't you put up an argument? I didn't want to be objectionable, sir. Yeah, well, you aren't exactly popular right now, you know. <laughs> Printing the value right in the paper where the income tax people could read it. Yes, they... Oh, or a burglar. The guy would know just what to steal and he'd have a picture to show him where it is. Mr. Roberts, you... 
Why, sir, you don't think you... You can't possibly believe... Of course, the silver's at home. How could anybody steal it with Mrs. Roberts right there? Oh, dear, I'm so relieved. Let's go home. What about the briefcase, sir? Twenty-five newspapers in it. I'll... I'll go out and sell them. Newsboy Roberts needs the money. Get your daily dispatch. Get your daily dispatch. Mr. Lang. Higgins, make some coffee, will you? I've got an awful headache. Headache, sir? What on earth from? Straining your eyes? Yes, counting $2,000 I haven't got. Which way is the silver, Roberts? Right this way. We keep it in the dining room. Stuff's over 200 years old. Worn. How much could it be worth? Uh, is it Miss Beaufay right here? Yes, in the sideboard. Just, just open the cabinet there. In uh, here, you said? Sure, right in there. It's right here. Holy mackerel. Higgins, come out here. Uh, yes, sir. What is it, Mr. Roberts? What is it, sir? The silver. The silver is gone. Gone? Why, that's absurd. We've sir. been robbed. The burglar you were talking about. You say Mr. Roberts mentioned a burglar, Higgins? Yes, sir. Mr. Roberts said that the story about the silver might tempt a burglar to rob the house. And he did. Our beautiful silver. Stolen. Gone. Mr. Roberts, control yourself. Don't carry on, sir. Gone. All gone. Gone. <laughs> yeah. It just isn't here anymore, is it, Mr. Lang? I'm sorry, Roberts. That's a big loss. <laughs> a terrible loss. Now I won't be able to pay the tax on it, will I, Mr. Lang? Well, I can't very well tax you for something you don't have. Exactly. It's nice to have met you, Mr. Lang. Now, would you like to leave me alone with my sorrow? <laughs> All right, Roberts. All right. No tax. Uh, that is, if it was stolen. Look around. Look around. You don't think I made it disappear, do you? Oh, Mr. Roberts, you didn't do a thing like that, sir, did you? And you keep quiet. You caused enough trouble for one day. I hope it was stolen, Roberts. If you got rid of it to avoid payment of tax, <laughs> that's a deliberate attempt to defraud the government and punish you by a jail sentence. Jail? Jail? Mr. Roberts, you'll look simply hideous in stripes. <laughs> Sorry about the whole thing, Roberts. The uh, government could have used the money. Higgins? Yes, sir. Oh, Higgins, we're... We're in trouble. Trouble? Yes. If it was stolen, we've lost that beautiful, valuable silver, and... If it wasn't stolen... You go to jail. Oh, we're in trouble. Yeah. We, sir? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else happens to me because of that fool article you gave that reporter, I'll make you sit on top of the kitchen stove and I'll turn the pilot light up high. <laughs> Anybody at home? Anybody here? We're in the dining room. Well, bring it in, Tommy, and we'll put it away. I had Tommy help me. The silver's just too heavy for me to carry all by myself. The silver? Well, what are you both standing there looking so foolish for? You didn't think a burglar had stolen the silver, did you? Yes! Oh, how childish. Put it right on the sideboard, Tommy. Boy, this stuff is heavy. You'd think the silver was made out of lead. Elizabeth, I can't stand any more shocks today. Where did you have this stuff? 
on display at the women's club. All the girls wanted to drop over and see it after they read the article in the dispatch, so I took it over where they could all see it at once. You had the silver service at the women's club, madam, all the time? Oh, oh, that article in the paper. How could one thing cause so much trouble? I'll get it, sir. Oh, Mr. Lang, so you've come back. Yes, I'd like to speak to Roberts again. Is he still in the dining room? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, no, sir. I mean, he, uh, I think he's in the kitchen now. That is, he, he's left town, sir. worry. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? Maybe I'll better see for myself. Mr. Robertson, make for the hills! Well, Roberts, I would... Oh. Oh, so this is why Higgins was so upset. Huh? The, uh, burglar returned the silver, eh? Oh, well, yes. After all, my wife took it down to the... Well, the, 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 well, the silverware. I... Philip, I... who is this huh? man? And what is he talking about burglars for? Uh... This is Mr. Lang, dear, the tax man. I I did tell him the silver had been stolen. Mr. Robertson, don't say a word until you talk to a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Oh, yes, of course, ma'am. Isn't this a confusing day? <laughs> well, Roberts, I'll evaluate the silver right now for tax purposes. And, uh, well, we'll see if we can make it a fine for attempting to defraud the government instead of just a jail. Oh, my... My wife took the silver down to the women's club to show it, and, well, she didn't tell me about it. That, that's all. Isn't that right, dear? Tell him, dear. That's right. I did take it down, and Philip knew nothing about it. Oh, Mr. Roberts, all this trouble, and to think when I first arrived, you weren't going to keep the silver at all. Or me. Yes, and I've had the feeling ever since that I made the wrong move. Yes. If you had sent me away, I would have taken the silver with me. Yes. What a happy thought. Higgins. What's wrong now, sir? Oh, you've done it. You've shown me the way out again. I have, sir? Yes. No, this has a touch of genius about it. Really? Mm. Oh, Mr. Lang. Yes? The question or two I'd like to ask you. Fire away? <laughs> oh, I'll fire, never fear. Isn't the legal description of a gift... That which is given to be owned and used by the recipient freely and without condition, that it is owned, can be abused, destroyed, or sold without recourse. That is right. <laughs> Good. Then this silver is not taxable. According to the specific conditions of the will, it says that the silver is mine to use only if I also give employment to Higgins, and only as long as he is in my service. <laughs> is, um, is that right, Higgins? Ah, completely, sir. There's a copy of the will right here in the desk. There you are, Mr. Lang. Not only that, but Higgins' salary is paid by the will condition. Correct again, sir. Well, maybe you're right, Roberts. The will proves it. I, uh... Can't collect tax under those circumstances. Sorry I caused you so much trouble. Oh, that's all right, Lang. I hate to see the income tax division lose any money. Why, that's a very unusual attitude, Roberts. Thanks. Well, goodbye. See you again sometime. Higgins? Yes, sir? Come here. Yes, sir. Oh, Higgins, you've done it again. You gave me an idea that saved me $2,000. Well, is everything all over now? Ah, uh, yes, dear. Everything's all over, thank heaven. All right. 
Now, it's going to be nice and quiet around here. I'd like someone to explain what happened. Explain what happened? Well, now, let's see. Uh, do you really want to know, Elizabeth? No. I probably wouldn't understand. Good. But I think the details are a little hazy anyway. You know, I'm so fond of Americans, you know. They're a lot like the British. They stick to a clear-cut, simple situation with bulldog determination until they've got the whole thing all muddled up. <laughs> Mr. Roberts, life with you, sir, for the past three months has been exciting, amusing, satisfying, and wonderful. Oh, thank you, Higgins. There's only one thing that amazes me, sir. How did I live through it? <laughs> This has been It's Higgins, Sir, a new comedy series starring Harry McNaughton with Vinton Hayworth and Vera Allen as Mr. and Mrs. Roberts, Charles Neville as Tommy. It's Higgins, Sir, is directed and transcribed by Paul Harrison and written by Rick Bullards. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. This has been our last show. We've enjoyed the past three months with you and hope to return to the air soon. If you've enjoyed our show, why not write us and... Let us know, care of NBC, New York City. This is Harry McNaughton saying good night and God bless you. Crystal Myers, makers of Ipana, toothpaste for the smile of beauty, and Minute Rub, the modern chest rub, bring you the Alan Young Show. Well, it's Friday night. And time to visit that little white cottage in Van Nuys, California, where we find the star of our show. That young man who is young today and young forever, Alan Young! Well, it's getting toward the end of the month. And as usual, Alan is worried about the same old thing. I wonder how much money I have. Let's see now, I'll look in my pockets. That's one. That's two. Three, four, oh, here's another one, five. That makes five pockets altogether. <laughs> They're all empty, too. If I get that ham actor Jonathan to pay me some rent for living here, I wouldn't be broke all the time. All he does is stay in his room and recite Shakespeare, Shakespeare. I'm going in right now and ask him for some money. A horse, a horse, me kingdom for a horse. Give me another horse, I'm battered and torn. A horse, me kingdom for a horse. <laughs> Jonathan, you reciting Shakespeare again? No, my lad. I just returned from Santa Anita. Oh. <laughs> Betting on horses when you owe me $50. You've been living in this house for three months and you haven't given me any money. Money, my lad, is the root of all evil. Let me quote an ancient proverb to you. Spend with caution, spend with care, and soon you'll be a millionaire. Do you know what ancient poet said that? Jack Benny? <laughs> Look, when are you going to give me some rent money, Jonathan? Oh, me lad, you should be honored with me mere presence. Uh. You know, there was a time when Jonathan Mildew was famous and wealthy. But you know what happens, me boy. Easy come, easy go. 
Easy come, easy go. How can easy come and go when Richard won't open the door? Look, Jonathan, I've got to have some money. I haven't been able to take Dolores out for over a week. Well, me lad, I'd give you the money if I had it, but I haven't got it. Would you turn the great Jonathan Mildew out of your house? Would you throw him out into the gutter to lie there in the midst of yesterday's debris? Now, Jonathan, please. Oh, go ahead, Miller. Go ahead. Break me, noble heart. Take the roof from over my head and toss me out into the snow. Go ahead. Toss me out into the snow. Jonathan, you can stay, but please stop crying. Okay. <laughs> Look, Jonathan, I hate to keep pestering you for money, but I can't take Dolores out anymore. I'm I'm always broke. Oh, so what, me boy? Oh, Hubert Updike takes her every place. He's always impressing her with his money. Oh, again with money. In the words of Julius Caesar, jocula presidium divisia pluribus ex brevis. English translation, if you ain't got no dough, you're nothing but a schmo. <laughs> he certainly knows what he was talking about. Just because Hubert has all that money. Oh, I'll get it, Jonathan. Hello. Oh, is this the First National Bank? First National Bank? Hubert, this is Alan Young. Oh, I got a wrong number. I was calling the First National Bank. I wanted to give them their allowance for the week. (laughs) Stop being ridiculous, Hubert. Where where are you calling from? Well, Alan, I'm calling from a phone booth, and this call costs $50,000. $50,000 for one phone call? Well, I didn't have any nickels, so I bought the (laughs) drugstore. You bought the whole drugstore? Yes, yes, yes. 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 Uh, and the strangest thing happened when I was sitting at the fountain. Right on the menu, it said, Sweetheart's Delight. Well, what's so strange about that, Hubert? Well, Alan, how did they know that I was coming here? <laughs> Never mind that. What did you call me about, anyway? Well, Alan, I just called up to tell you that I'm on my way to Dolores Darlington. Huh? Suppose you're taking Dolores out to some fancy place tonight? Yes, yes. But, but first, to get her in the right mood, we're going to listen to some classical records. Oh. In fact, I just sent them out to be washed. You sent your classical records out to be washed? Yes, I wanted somebody to scrub my bark. <laughs> oh, that was a musical one, yeah. <laughs> All right, you <laughs> Look, take Dolores out, but she'll still like me better than you. Oh, not after tonight, Alan. Mm-hmm. I'm taking her to the most exclusive nightclubs in town. Yeah. Uh, first, we're going to the Macambo, then over to Ciro's, and then we're going dancing at the Palladium. <laughs> the Palladium? I suppose you're going to do the waltz and Hoekstrup? <laughs> no, no, Alan. Dolores and I are going to rumba. Mm. Oh, I was just born to rumba, Alan. Mm. I, I like to rumba myself, Hubert. I like the way you throw your hips out. I never throw mine out, Alan. Well, Hubert, when you do the rumble, you're bound to throw your hips out. Mine have no better place to go. (laughs) (laughs) How do you like that, Jonathan? Hubert's taking Dolores out to all the fancy nightclubs tonight. Well, you can't trust any woman, my lad. Women are treacherous creatures. Mm. They trick you into marriage. And that, my lad, is like going to the movies. Marriage is like going to the movies? Yes. We offer them the best years of our lives. And in return... They give us the razor's edge. And then they present you with a yearling. (laughs) But I I guess I can't really blame Dolores for going out with Hubert. He's so rich and influential. Well, forget about it, me lad. Forget your worries. Come, let's put on the radio and relax. Uh, 
The radio? Mm. Okay, Jonathan, I'll turn it on here. I hate you, do you hear? I can't stand you. I loathe you. I despise you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate everything about you. I never want to see you again. I hate you. I hate you. Me lad, what program is that? <laughs> Love comes to Sadie Jones. <laughs> I better change the station here. And now we present the Court of Missing Relatives, the program that locates the rightful heirs to estates and fortunes. Yeah, I've always liked this program. If any of you listeners are the rightful heirs of the following persons, come to the station at once and see Mr. Stamford. And now for our first case, the estate of the late Randolph Quagmire. When last seen, Randolph was standing in a safety zone on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> he must have been a tourist. <laughs> and now for our next case, the case of the late Angus McPherson. Angus McPherson? I had a great-grandfather in Scotland called Angus... Angus McPherson, born in Scotland, passed away 20 years ago. Gee, that must be him. Uh, quiet me, lad. Let's listen. And so far, there have been no claimants to the McPherson fortune. McPherson fortune? Jonathan, I must be the only heir. Well, get over to the station at once, me lad, and claim the fortune. You're right, Jonathan. I'll go right over. What was the name of that man in charge again? Stanford. T.W. Stanford. Thanks for that. <laughs> Oh, there's Mr. Stanford's office right over there. I've got to prove I'm a real Scotchman. Pardon me. Are you Mr. Stanford? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a broad, bright, moonlight... <laughs> and what was that? It's a broad, bright, moonlight... <laughs> Just who are you? The old lamplighter? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm Alan Young. I'm... Um... I'm here at the McPherson fortune. <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm half Scotch. Well, I'm a bourbon man myself. <laughs> what can I do for you? Well, my great-grandson... Well, I'll have to have some identification, young man. Some identification, guy. I, uh... <laughs> I brought along these bagpipes. See? Oh, is that what bagpipes look like? Goodness, if they were on a cow, they'd give milk. <laughs> But who's one in a bra? Rick, more Rick, Rick, the neck, the neck. Who's one? Now do you think I'm a real Scotsman? Well, I see you're wearing kilts. Then I hope you'll pardon my skinny legs, but I come from the Bonnie Bonnie Banks. <laughs> the Bonnie Bonnie Big Banks. I'm sorry, the Bonnie. Bonnie. <laughs> so uh, you're I'm really Scotch. Scotch. I could have a real joke. I said. <laughs> Scotch. As a matter of fact, during the hall, I nearly went into the wrong room. I thought the sign on the door said laddies. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, what's that in front of your kilt? Oh, that, that's a Scotch purse. Goodness, you look like a fuller brush man wearing a sample at half mass. <laughs> Mr. Stanford, I'm very anxious about the McPherson fortune. I'm sure that I'm the rightful heir. Well, first I'll have to check the facts in the case. Uh, when did your grandfather arrive in this country? Well, he was a very young man. In fact, he was one of the pioneers of the West. Well, so far, so good. He was one of the original trailblazers. I have a picture of the wagon he came out west in. See, the roads were so bad he had to use an extra team of horses. Hmm. Uh, let me see that picture. Huh? Just look at that wagon. It's got horses in the front and horses in the back. Yeah. I think he called it the Cupboards to Baker. <laughs> yes. Well, there's yeah. no doubt about it. 
Uh, this picture proves that you're Angus McPherson's rightful heir. Gee, well, what did my great-grandfather leave me? It's right here in his will. I'll read it to you. Yep. To my rightful heirs, I, Angus McPherson, leave my most valuable possession, the Brown Derby. The Brown Derby? He left me the Brown Derby? Uh, quite a surprise, isn't it, young man? According to the terms of the will, you'll come into possession of the Brown Derby at ten o'clock tonight. Gee, at ten o'clock tonight, I'll be the owner of the Brown Derby! Down in Santa Fe. Well, hello there, Alan. Hello. Say, you sound happy. Glad you came. Only no more words. <laughs> I am, Jimmy. You're looking at the new owner of the Brown Derby. Well, Alan, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm going to make changes. going to have everything French style. You know, Alan, I like French cooking. Yeah, the frog's legs will all be served with Paris garters. <laughs> well, that's a novel touch. Uh, may I have a table for two? Well, certainly right this way, sir. May I suggest souffle au fromage? Potatoes a la mashed? Crepes Suzette? Well, what about a steak? The things you mentioned are all soft food. It saves wear and tear on knives and forks. Oh, yes. But they're not so good for your teeth. Why not? Well, all those soft, creamy foods, delicious though they may be, don't give our gums much exercise or stimulation. And firm gums help keep our teeth healthy, you know. Is that why so many dentists tell you to massage your gums? Why, surely. Listen to the facts. Seven out of ten dentists recommend gum massage, according to a nationwide survey. Not only that, but dentists themselves prefer Ipana toothpaste two to one over any other dentifrice for their own personal use. You see, Ipana is designed not only to clean your teeth, but with a gentle massage to aid in the health of your gums. So, friends, try Ipana and see what makes Ipana so popular with dentists themselves. See how Ipana and massage can help your gums. Help your smile to a brightness and loveliness you never thought possible. Try Ipana for your smile of beauty. Well, we understand that Alan Young has inherited the Brown Derby. We now find him at the office of the Van Nuys Gazette, where he has gone to give his story of his inheritance to the editor. What a big, busy place it is. Little the editors hear my story. Hope Mr. Busby isn't too busy to see me. Come in. Come in. Come in! Uh, pardon me, Mr. Busby. Speak up, young man. I haven't got all day. I'm a busy man, you know. Busy Busby. They call me Busy Busby. Can't depend on anybody. Got to do everything myself. I'm not down to the city hall covering a news conference. I'm down at headquarters checking on the suspects. Well, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mr. Busby, I came over here with a story for you. Uh, just a minute. Just a minute. I've got to use the phone. Hello. Hello. Get me a rewrite. Hello, rewrite. I've never seen such incompetence on a newspaper in my life. Utter confusion. We've got the stock quotations all mixed up with the comic strips. The stock quotations are all mixed up with the comic strip. Just look at it, man. Dick Tracy is selling at six and seven eighths. <laughs> and look at little orphan Annie. The bottom's dropped out. <laughs> Mr. Busby, I... Be with you in a minute, Annie. <laughs> Annie, look, Mr. Busby, cartoons only appear in the papers. In true life, you don't meet weird, funny-looking characters. Oh, reminds me, I've got to call my wife. <laughs> Mr. Busby. Gotta call my wife. Look, Mr. Busby, I was listening to a radio program today that tries to link together missing relatives. Oh, well, who are you? I'm the missing link. I'm the, I'm the missing relative. Never miss relatives. Glad when they're gone. My brother-in-law used to live with us. Used to wear my suits all the time. Mr. Busby. Wore all my suits. One day he came into the office to see me. I thought I got to work late and fired myself. Look, my great-grandfather died and I'm the missing heir. Missing heir, missing heir. I'll buy a toupee and nobody will notice it. <laughs> 
scissors for everybody. Gotta make the scissors for everybody. Look, Mr. Grandfather, my brown derby died and left me a missing busby. I was gonna... <laughs> my great-grandfather died and left me a restaurant, the brown derby. Great story. I'll put it right in the morning edition. You sure you have the whole thing straight now? Positive, positive. Gee, that's swell. Oh, goodbye. Goodbye. And, and don't forget to give my love to your wife. Charming woman, Mrs. Busby. <laughs> Talking to him is like holding a conversation with a mixmaster. master. <laughs> promised to put the story in the papers. Oh, I better get over to Laura's darling's house and tell her the wonderful news. Oh, hello, Alan, honey. Come on in. Thanks, Dolores. <sighs> Make yourself comfortable. Uh, okay. <laughs> Can I fix something for you? Thanks, but nothing's broken. <laughs> I meant a drink, Alan. Can't I get you a drink? I'll have a Coke. A Coke? Oh, honey, I want to give you something that'll leave you breathless and make your eyes pop out. I'll just drink it with a cap on. <laughs> well, Alan, I didn't expect to see you this evening. Well, Dolores, I have some wonderful news. What is it? Dolores, I've, I've inherited the Brown Derby. The Brown Derby? Why, Alan, you own one of the biggest restaurants in the world. My great-grandfather left it to me. I'm I'm a big businessman now. <laughs> yes, and I'm so happy you're in a business, Alan. So am I, Dolores. After all, you know what it is that makes a man face the future with a smile. You know what it is that makes every man feel secure and unafraid. Suspenders? <laughs> well, Alan, now that you own the Brown Derby... You'll be seeing all the famous movie stars. Yes, I, I guess I will. Yes. You'll see Betty Grable and Hedy Lamarr and Lana Turner and... Oh, Alan, how can they resist you? You're so handsome and witty and irresistible. Oh, I am so. <laughs> I'll probably have to fight them off. You know? See, you're changing already. Yes, I do feel different. Now that I'm a man of means and influence, you're going to see a new Alan Young. <laughs> Alan, why are you looking at me like that? Gal, come to my... Come to my... I must hold that hourglass figure. Alan! I must hold your hourglass figure. Come here. I'm going to hug you till your three minutes are up. <laughs> Alan, I've never seen you like this before. I've never been important before, but now I'm a man of authority. I'm going to cover your wrists with burning kisses. Alan! I'm going to put my burning lips against your wrist. <laughs> Sorry if I straightened out your gruen curvex. <laughs> Gee, honey, Hubert is due here any minute, and I have a date with him. Oh, call off your date with Hubert Updike. You're coming along with me to the Brown Derby tonight to witness my inheritance. Oh, I'm so thrilled, Alan. I'd better go right up and get drained. Well, I shall wait here below. <laughs> Now's my chance to lord it over Hubert. Label Updike, here's what happened. Oh, I'm here, I'm here. Come gaze at man's answer to the shocking Miss Pilgrim. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Updike, uh, no sense waiting for Miss Darling. She's going out with me this evening. What is this? <laughs> you heard me, Mr. Updike. I'm, I'm taking Dolores to the Brown Derby. Oh, Mother, call up Rooney. He slipped me a Mickey tonight. <laughs> you see, I have just inherited the Brown Derby. The Brown Derby? <laughs> oh, this is dreadful. I won't let you open up. What can you do about it? I'll foreclose my mortgage on Hollywood. <laughs> Mind your idle threats. There's nothing you do about it. My great-grandfather left me the Brown Derby in his will. And I'm taking over the management tonight. 
Well, I'll put a stop to it, Alan. If you try to open that up that restaurant, I'll get all your waiters to desert you. I'll make them all go A W O. A W O what? We up dogs never say L. Oh. <laughs> I'll do something about it, Alan. Oh, 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 oh! This is awful. Alan has inherited the broom doobie. Well, I'll fix his wagon somehow. Yeah, pardon me. I was told that I could find Alan Young in that house. Is that true? Yes, yes. Yes, very good. You see, I'm supposed to present him with the brown derby. So you're the one. I'd punch you right in the nose if it weren't for one thing. Uh, what's that? I'm such a big coward. <laughs> well, I haven't got time to argue. I've got to give Alan Young this big round box. Big round box? What's in that? It's the brown derby. The brown derby? Yes, I hope it fits. It's size seven and a quarter. The brown derby is just a hat. Oh, I haven't been so tickled since I put on my mink underwear. <laughs> oh, look, uh, look. Uh, I'm Alan's best friend. Uh, why don't you give the brown derby to me, and I'll give it to Alan. Well, thank you. Goodbye. All right, well. Now to louse up Alan. I'll call up the brown derby and tell them a crazy millionaire named Alan Young will be there tonight. Then when he runs out of a big bill and can't pay it, I will get Dolores back. Oh, I'm such a villain. If I had a mustache, I would twirl it. <laughs> well, if you were prepared to fix Alan, but good, I'd like to do a little fixing myself. But where it'll really do some good. If you're suffering from a cold right now, I'd like to fix you up with Minute Rub. A really modern chest rub. Because look, you don't have to suffer with the discomforts of that cold. Not if you'll let Minute Rub help you. Just rub Minute Rub on your throat, chest, and back. And in a minute, Minute Rub's soothing menthol vapors begin to clear that stuffed-up feeling in your nose and throat. In a minute, Minute Rub starts to bring a feeling of warmth and relief to those tight, sore, aching muscles. And listen. Here at last is a chest rub that's greaseless and stainless. Disappears like vanishing cream and can't stain clothes or bed linens. So get a tube of Minute Rub and get relief from that annoying cold misery the modern way. The greaseless, stainless Minute Rub way. Well, tonight's the night that Alan Young inherits the Brown Derby. Of course, Alan thinks he's inheriting the famous restaurant. But we know all he's getting is an old hat, don't we? Let's join Alan and Dolores as they approach the Brown Derby. Well, just think, Dolores, at 10 o'clock tonight, this beautiful restaurant will be mine. Yes, Alan, and it's really changed. You always used to take me to dinner in a sweatshirt, and now look, you're wearing tails. No, my dear, same sweatshirt. I just loosened the lining. <laughs> I hope you like this evening gown I'm wearing. It's sleeveless, strapless, and backless. Do you like it, honey? Yes, my dear, but keep some scotch tape handy. <laughs> you know, but come, Dolores, let's enter my restaurant. <laughs> oh, Alan, it makes me so proud walking into the Brown Derby and knowing that soon it'll belong to you. After you, Dolores. <laughs> Hello. Hello, yes, yes, this is the Brown Derby. This is the manager speaking. Oh, yes, Mr. Uptight. We're expecting your millionaire friend, Alan Young. We'll see to it that the Brown Derby is completely at his disposal. Yes, sir, we will. Yes. You're right, sir. Thank oh, you. that looks like the manager, Dolores. Ah, good evening. Welcome to the Brown Derby. Welcome to the Brown Derby. I must insist upon a more continental approach around here. Continental? Why, the Brown Derby is quite continental, sir. 
Would you care some excellent smorgasbord? Smorgasbord? I don't feel like Mexican food. <laughs> Thought he'd fool me. Besides, I don't like the way you greet customers. I want a more European flavor in my restaurant. Your restaurant? Yes, I want you to greet them in French. I'll show you what I mean with this couple that's coming in. Ah, bonsoir, monsieur. And Mrs. Sewer. <laughs> Would you care for a table a la king? <laughs> or perhaps rue de la paix with a pickle in the middle? Uh, just a moment, sir. What do you think you're doing? I know the way I want my restaurant run. My name is Alan Young. Doesn't that mean anything to you, man? Oh, oh, you're Alan Young. Well, order anything you want. The Brown Derby is yours. That's better. <laughs> but I want you to be more careful with the service. Look at that olive. Its pimento is loose. <laughs> how can you permit an olive to be served with a loose pimento? Well, how can I keep an olive from losing its pimento? Zip up its de doodah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to make plenty of changes around here, you bet you. Alan, why, why don't we sit down at a table? It's almost 10 o'clock. All right, Dolores. A waiter, a champagne for everybody in the restaurant, and put it on my bill. Oh, Alan, you're wonderful. You've never acted with such authority before. Mm, thank you, my dear. Oh, I was never so excited in my life. I've got butterflies in my stomach. You have? Yes. And do you know why I have butterflies in my stomach? You went for a walk with your mouth open? <laughs> <laughs> Alan, I'm, I'm excited because I'm near you No, that's quite understandable Oh, I like you this way, honey Let me snuggle up to you Snuggle up? Yes Every time we go to a restaurant, all you ever do is count the people coming in I, I won't count the people coming in tonight, Dolores You won't? Huh? People going out <laughs> Now, if you'll excuse me, I'd like to look at the menu here Oh time, Alan. It's ten o'clock. Oh, at any moment now I should come into possession of this brown derby. Oh, oh Alan. Oh, Dolores. Oh, Hubert Updike. Uh, won't, won't you join us, Hubert? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Waiter, we have another dinner guest. Will you serve him, please? Why, certainly, sir. Here are some excellent lamb chops, sir. The finest grade of meat one can buy. Now, shall I remove the patties for you? Oh, how vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> Hubert, I'm, I'm surprised to see you. What are you doing here? Well, it's ten o'clock, Alan. I wanted to make sure you got possession of the brown derby. Well, uh, here you are, Alan. Hubert, why are you handing me a big round box? Open the box and you'll find out. Huh? Looks like a hat. Gee, it's a brown derby. Yes, that's what it is, Alan. That's the brown derby that your grandfather left you. Oh, what a sweet old man. Leave the you mean I don't own this place? Alan, what are you going to do? Here comes the manager with the check. I ordered champagne for everybody. That check will be enormous. Hubert, Hubert, you've got to help me out. I'm sorry, Alan. Hubert, how can you do this to a pal? Well, I want to save your life. Remember the day you climbed up that tree to commit suicide? I didn't climb up to that tree to commit suicide. I just wanted to see the top of my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Hubert, Alan is in serious trouble. You've got to help him out. Well, I'll help him out on one condition, Dolores. What's that? Will you let me kiss the back of your neck? <laughs> All right, Hubert, I will. Let you sell yourself for me? Never. <laughs> Curses. She slipped through my fingers again. Well, pay that bill yourself, Alan. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Well, what are you going to do? Here's the manager. Uh, here's your bill, Mr. Young. $490. Four hundred... <laughs> $490? That's right, Mr. Young. Yeah. Well, you see, I was depending on my inheritance, but... Depending? You mean you haven't got the money? All I got was an old hat. I guess everybody is leaving their money to Greater Garble. 
<laughs> Listen here, young man. You came in here posing as a millionaire. You've upset the restaurant. Run up a bill for $500. Now, what are you going to do about it? Well, a fellow on the radio said there was an inheritance with bagpipes, and he was going to tell me, and I said that he couldn't, and I was, was going to. And... <laughs> Cigarettes? <laughs> Getting through this pile of dishes. Nine hundred. Nine oh one. Nine oh two. You will need some more hot water. Would you turn on the hot water, Dolores? Nine oh three. I guess Red Skelton didn't pay his bill either. Alan Young will be back in just a moment. You know, men, it's a fact. When you look successful, it's easier to be successful. So watch your appearance, especially your hair. Rely on Vitalis and the 60-second workout, famous for these three big advantages. One, Vitalis keeps even the driest, most unruly hair under control in a natural, masculine way. Two, the Vitalis workout loosens your tight scalp, prevents dryness. Three, the Vitalis workout routes embarrassing loose dandruff. Helps retired excessive falling hair. Yes, better remember Vitalis. To look your best tomorrow, get a bottle of Vitalis tonight. The Alan Young Show is written by Al Schwartz and Sherwood Schwartz. The part of Hubert Updike is played by Jim Backus. And if you have a half hour next Wednesday, listen to Duffy's Tavern over most of these stations. And here's Alan Young again. Thanks, Jimmy. Friends, during the week, please remember the two fine products that bring you this show. Ipana for the smile of beauty and Minute Rub, the modern chest rub. Ipana, Minute Rub. Until next weekend, this is Alan Young saying it's a Brodrick Moonlich Mixed in it. Good night. Yes, sir, Johnny has. Who are you? Detective McGarry. Yes, friends, it's McGarry and his mouse, starring Wendell Corey with Shirley Mitchell, with music under the direction of Peter Van Steeden. The misadventures of rookie detective McGarry have been made famous by Matt Taylor in the pages of This Week magazine. And now, here's Dan McGarry's girlfriend... Kitty Archer. Kitty Archer to you, but the mouse to Dan McGarry. That's what he's called me since our school days, his mouse. I guess every girl likes to talk about her fellow, and maybe my big red-headed Dan isn't much to brag about. People think he's dumb. He's always getting into some sort of trouble. But then he always manages to get out of it. Now, you take what happened the other night. Dan dropped by my house on his way home from police headquarters. I was on the front porch when Dan opened the screen door. Hello, Mouse. Hey, what's up? You're hopping around like a flea on an air deer. I've got good news. Sit down, Dan. Thanks, Mouse. Who do you think's coming to visit us? Who? My very favorite Uncle Clarence. Oh, hey, little fat Uncle Clarence in Chicago? I just got the telegram. He'll be in on the 7.30 train Saturday night. Well, I must say I'll be very happy to see Uncle Clarence again. I remember you two had lots of fun together last time he was here. I'll see. 
Was he ever a very wonderful sucker at poker? <laughs> oh, say, how long is he going to be here this time? Well, I imagine it'll be a long stay this trip. He's going to open a branch of his toy factory here. No kidding. Uh-huh. Hey, I hope he brings some of his samples like he did the last time. I had fun. Yes, it was the first time I ever had to compete with a yo-yo. Well, I'm terrible glad he's coming, Kitty. Uh, now, what are we going to do in the way of showing him a good time? I've been thinking. First, we'll have a surprise party for him. That's a good idea. We... Hey, Mouse, here goes your phone. Oh, it's all right. Mom will get it. She's inside answering some letters. Now, let's see. Uh, we'll invite your Uncle Matthew, of course. How about Joan Bernice? Oh, sure. But the most important thing is that I want you to meet Uncle Clarence at the train and bring him home. I'll have everybody here for the big surprise party. Just leave that to me. I'll take it. Oh, hello, Mom. How's tricks? I'm all right, Dan McGarry, but I'm past the age of playing tricks. Now, that phone hey, call... Hey, ain't the good news about Uncle Clarence coming to visit? Yes, it's very good news. Now, that phone call... Me and call... Kitty here is just now framing up a surprise. Dan McGarry, will you shut up? Huh? Mom's trying to tell you something, Dan. Oh. Oh, go ahead, Mrs. Archer. Uh, what's on your mind? That telephone call was from Inspector McGarry. Uncle Matthew? None of it. He wants you to report to police headquarters at once. Oh, hey, that ain't fair. I already finished a tour of duty. Tell that to Inspector McGarry. Dan, maybe it's something to do with the Westmore Bank. Westmore Bank? Yes, bank. It was held up this afternoon. No kidding. The Westmore Bank held up? And robbed, I might add. Well, what do you know? Nobody ever tells me these things. Dan, you'd better not keep your Uncle Matthew waiting. You know he can get madder than Donald Duck. Oh, hey. This is a very important case. It may be my big break. If I crack this one, Mouse, we might go up to Detective First Grade. And if you don't get out of here, we may find ourselves back in uniform. Now, go on. I can see the papers now. Rising young detective Saul's bank robbery. Dan McGarry, the inspector's waiting. Kitty, your future husband stands at the doorway to fame. That's good, Dan, but close the door. You're letting in flies. Hello, Uncle Matthew. Well, here I am. Ready to answer the call of my sworn duty. Oh, now, isn't that very fine of you? It's only 45 minutes since I appealed for your presence. Where have you been? Well, I'll tell you, Uncle Matthew. I dropped by the Westmore Bank on my way down to sort of case the joint. I uh, developed a few very important angles. Sit down and shut up, you big lunkhead. Why, Uncle Matthew, you surprised me. I thought you'd be very glad that I started right in to solve the Westmore bank robbery. I'll be very glad when you learn to do the little jobs assigned to you. Little jobs? I've got a very simple little assignment for you. You mean you ain't gonna give me the Westmore case? Listen, all you've got to do is to sit in a cell in the county jail with a petty crook. County jail? Yes. Your cellmate will be a little rat by the name of Digits Harper. Your job will go in as a suspect. Sit with Digits and pray he'll do some talking. Uh, does this here Digits happen to be connected with the bank stick-up? There was a real brain behind that bank stick-up. We suspect the fine hand of Nick Scalzi. Oh, Mr. Big, eh? Uh, why don't I just go out and put the arm on this here Nick Scalzi? Ah, uh, we haven't got enough on him yet to even give him a nod. You just get cozy with Digits Harper, that's all. Oh, hey, Uncle Matthew. This here's a terrible, puny assignment. Why, the... Worst dope in the department could do it. Well? Well, I... 
Huh? Oh, hey, this here's fierce. On your way, now, on your way. Get digits talking as soon as you can. We can't hold them more than a few days. A few days? You mean I gotta play patty cake with this citizen that long? Oh, no, Uncle Matthew, I can't do that. You what? Uh, Kitty's Uncle Clarence is coming to town Saturday night, and, well, I gotta meet him at the train. Well, that's fine. The sooner you get digits talking, the sooner you'll be out of jail. But, Uncle Matthew... Now, that's enough talk. Now then, go dirty yourself up and be off. And leave your gun and badge here. Okay, Uncle Matthew. Duty's duty. But believe me, there ain't no justice. The bank robbers are as free as an undertaker's tears, and I wind up in jail. Dan, back from headquarters so soon? We've got company. Look who's here. Oh, hello, Joe. Hello, Bernice. Hello. Hello, Dan. Kitty's just been telling us about the surprise party for her Uncle Clarence. Gosh, Joe and me think it's terrible exciting. Huh, Joe? Yeah, exciting. Well, <laughs> it's a swell idea throwing a sweet riot for Uncle Clarence, but I ain't sure yet that I'm going to be among them near present. Dan, what are you talking about? Kitty, I've got to go to jail. Jail? Oh, for goodness sake. Dan, what kind of rap have they got against you? Well, uh, it ain't exactly a rap, as you say, Bernice. I'm doing it in the line of duty. Ha, <laughs> duty. Did you say something, Joe? Yeah. What? Ah, uh, duty. Oh. Well, what kind of duty, Dan? Is it in connection with the Westmore Bank case? Well, uh, in a way, Kitty. What do you mean, in a way? Didn't you get the assignment? Well, uh, Sort of, Kitty. Oh, Dan, for heaven's sakes, what's the matter with you? You're talking in circles. Well, I'll tell you, Mouse. All I gotta do is make out like I'm a crook. Sit in the cell with another crook and make him talk. Oh, say, Joe, he is wonderful at making people talk, huh, Joe? Yeah, wonderful. Yes, he just sits and don't say nothing, so somebody's gotta talk, huh, Joe? Yeah, somebody. Dan, I think maybe I can help you with this case. Kitty, you help me? I have before, haven't I? Well, I gotta admit, you did a time or two. I've got a wonderful idea to make this crook talk. Now, Kitty. Now, look, I'm coming down to visit you when you're in jail. All you've got to do is fall in line with whatever I say. Mouse, I don't know what you've got in your mind, but I don't like oh, it. Oh, now, don't you worry about anything. Uh, tell me, Dan, what's the name of a very big, powerful gang leader? Living or dead? Living, of course. Say, how about Fatty Schmidt from Chicago? Joe was reading something to me about him out of the paper, huh, Joe? Yeah, the paper. Mm, <laughs> Fatty Schmidt. Oh, that's an easy name to remember. Well, it's time for me to go to jail now, so I'll say goodbye to one and all. Oh, gee, I hate to see any of my friends go to jail, even if they happen to be innocent. I remember when Joe was fined $10 for passing the red light. When he had to go to the court, I cried and I cried. I cried so much that Joe started to cry, too. And he cried and he cried. Hey, look, Bernice. Joe's crying. Oh, for goodness sake. Hey, what's the matter, Joe? What's making you cry? Dan going to jail? No. My ten bucks. Gary, in his usual confusion, will return in just a second. (laughs) 
Back to McGarry and his mouse. I must say, Digits, you're a very monotonous cellmate. Here it is Saturday night, and all you say is... I ain't talking, chum. Yeah. Why, a person would never think we was in the same racket. I ain't talking, chum. All I ask is, who's taking care of you? I'm worried about you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'd like to be sure there's a Mr. Big behind you with enough power to spring you out of here. I ain't... Yeah, I know. You ain't talking, chum. Well, I told you all about the terrible rap they got on me, but... I won't stay any longer than you say. Well, will you look who's coming down the corridor? It's none other than my girlfriend. Hello, Mouse. Gosh, I'm sure glad to see you. Hello, honey. Tough tricks. I hope these stir screws around here ain't giving you a bum shake. Stir screws? Bum shake. Hey, Mouse, what kind of a way is this for you to be talking? Ah, wise up, chump. Don't be a lunky all your life. Who's your boyfriend? My bo- Oh, this is Digits Hopper. But he ain't talking. Hmm, the kid's smart. Nobody ever got himself jammed up by keeping his choppers clamped. His choppers clamped? <laughs> Look, pal, I ain't got much time to hang around this cage, see? I've been sent here by Mr. Big, see? Mr. Big C? Yeah. You get me? You mean Uncle Matthew? He's the biggest thing I know. I mean the real Mr. Big. Fatty. Fatty? You mean Fatty Schmidt from Chicago? I ain't talking, chum. Mouse, you're talking too much. Ah, pipe down, staff. You listen to me. Mr. Big says he got the mouthpiece to put the zinger in. You'll be sprung out of this flea parlor by 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock? Yeah, and don't forget you got to meet somebody at the train. Oh, yeah, the 7.30 train from Chicago. 7.30? Chicago, huh? Well, that's uh, very interesting. But, Mouse, that don't give me enough time to even wash my kisses that's before... That's all, Chum. i got to breathe now. I'll see if the old hangout is going just sprung. Thanks, all right. Well, for goodness sake. Oh, hey, I get it now. <laughs> Say, that mouse of mine sure is a smart little cookie. The mouse, eh? <laughs> well, I heard a freight car freighter, boiler room beaches, and whistling Gertie. But the mouse, that's a new mall of me. That happens to be my girlfriend. And she ain't no mall. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so uh, you're going to meet a train from Chicago at 7.30, huh? Hey, you wouldn't by any chance be meeting a party by the name of Fatty Schmidt, would you? I ain't talking, chum. Look where you're going. I have... Well, it ain't my old cellmate, Digit. I see you got sprung, too. Yeah, yeah, I know the right people. Uh, here's one of them right here. Meet Nick Scalzi. Nick Scalzi? Yeah, pal, that's me. Well, for goodness sake. And I got six rodmen scattered around this railroad depot just in case you make a wrong move. Hey, what's the big idea? The big idea is that we're a reception committee for your friend Fatty Schmidt when he gets off that train. Oh, no, wait a minute. You guys are talking through your hats. I'm here to meet my girlfriend's Uncle Clarence. Oh, yeah? Think I'm sapping up to fall for that stuff? Digit tells me your mole tipped the real low down in the county jail. Digit is nuts. Listen, punk. Nobody's muscling into my territory. Got that? Hey, Nick, Nick, here comes the passengers out the gate. Okay, Digit. Now, Buster, you give me the nod when you see your boy. Well, uh, I don't see anything that even looks like him. How about this little fat guy coming through the gate? What little fat guy? Oh, him, maybe. Oh, there you are, Danny boy. Didn't see him, eh, Buster? <laughs> Dad, it's good to see you again. But I hardly know you, son. You look like you just got out of jail. Uncle Clarence, you're a mind reader. Well, where's Kitty? I, I thought she'd be with you. Oh, Kitty had some things to do at home. Don't forget I'm here, Buster. Oh, uh, Uncle Clarence, uh, have you ever heard of Nick Scalzi? Scalzi? Well, no, Dan. Can't say he's a hair. Well, you're going to hear a lot about him from now on, I'm thinking. This here's Nick Scalzi. Uh, how do you do, Mr. Scalzi? Any friend of Dan's is a friend of mine. Hello, Fatty. Fatty, now look here. Oh, hold it, Uncle Clarence. Hold it. Uh, Mr. Scalzi here just wants to talk a little business or something with you. Well, Dan, I'm in no mood to talk business. I'm tired, I'm hot, and I'm thirsty. Thirsty? Well, I can fix that. We'll go over to Mike's joint. We can have a nice, quiet talk there and some cool drinks. I think maybe it's a good idea to do like Mr. Scalzi says, Uncle Clarence. I can learn a lot from an operator like Scalzi, and me, I'm always learning. Come on, let's go. Well, I suppose a little sip or something would go good. Okay, Digits, tell the boys everything's set. Trail us over to Mike. Right, Nick. I'll carry your bag, Uncle Clarence. Oh, thanks, Dan. Hey, when are you going to quit this Uncle Clarence stuff? Are you afraid to call him Fatty? Why, oh, no. But... Oh, it's all right, Dan. If Mr. Scalzi insists on calling me Fatty, why, you can call me Fatty, too. Okay, Uncle Clarence. Hello? Hello? Yes, I'm still waiting for that information about the 7.30 train from Chicago. What? On time? It came in over an hour ago. Oh, dear. Well, thank you. Well, this is a fine state of affairs. The train got in over an hour ago. But for goodness sake, where can they be at? This is turning out to be a disappointment party. Ah, uh, that lunkhead nephew of mine has fouled this thing up somehow. Well, my brother Clarence manufactures toys. But he's got other ways of amusing himself. Yes, I suppose he and Dan are inching their way here by way of some cool taverns. Maybe they get lost. 
Lost? Oh, sure. Joe got lost once upon a time, had Joe. Yeah, Lord. <laughs> he, he went out to the store to buy something for me. And what do you think? What, Benny? All of a sudden, he didn't know where he was. His mind went blank. Hey, Joe. Yeah, conked out. <laughs> Oh, now, don't you worry, Kitty. They'll be along sometime. Oh, yes, but in the meantime, everything's getting cold. Except your temper. I can see that's getting hotter by the minute. Gosh, I know just how Kitty feels. Makes me terrible mad when somebody keeps me waiting. Joe here was late for our wedding, huh, Joe? Yeah, wedding. Mm. And by the time he got there, my face was red and my ring was green. I was so mad, I brought him out something fierce, huh, Joe? Yeah, slugged me. Well, I don't think we ought to wait any longer for them Come on, folks, let's eat That suits me We can give them something when they get here You bet we will I'm going to give them a piece of my mind Well, McGarry's really in hot water So let's stick around See if Uncle Clarence can help him out
now back to McGarry and his mouse. Ah, that hit the spot. I go very easy on the stuff myself. Guys in our racket's got to keep their heads. Hey, Fanny? Oh, well, then I take it we're in the same business, Mr. Scalzi? Yeah, but you know, I've been thinking. For a big shot like you, it seems to me you travel awful light. Yeah, this trip, that's right. But I was thinking of bringing along a half a dozen of my best dolls. <laughs> a half a dozen dolls? Oh, you ought to see Uncle Clarence's dolls. He's got some real classy stock. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Hey, you, you'd love them, Nick. Yeah. And do you know something? I've done better with dolls this year than ever in my life. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, well, uh, let's forget the dolls for a while and talk business. Now, I got enough. Hey, gone, Nick. Mike says these is on the house. Set him down, Digits. Stick around. Uh, look, I don't want to put the pressure on nobody, but it's getting late, and you said you wanted to talk business, Nick. Why, yes. Uh, just what did you have in mind, Mr. Scalzi? Well, I've been figuring you ain't in town to see the sights. So that being the case, I figure you're getting set to move in on this territory. That's right. My plans are all set. Yeah, that's what you think. I got different ideas. Well, what do you mean? Well, uh, well you, you, you see, Uncle Clarence, uh, Nick here don't like competition. Well, Mr. Scalzi, that's very silly. Competition is the lifeblood of business. Yeah, and sometimes the blood gets spilled. I welcome competition, if it's fair and square. Suppose it ain't fair and square. Well, Nick, as you can easily figure, Uncle Clarence is an old hand at killing off cutthroat opposition. Suppose they don't kill off so easy. What? With an organization like he's got, it ain't no trouble at all. Yeah. Uh, how big an organization you got, fatty? 425 altogether. 425? Wow, that's a few people. And I figure to move at least 75 more in here right away. Are you kidding? 425 people. And me, I'm operating with only six guys. Hey, you're really small potatoes, Nick. Well, uh, you ain't got a mob like yours. But, uh, look, uh, Uncle Clarence, uh, seeing as how Nick uh, here is already in this territory, uh, maybe you and him can make a deal to work together. Uh, why don't you tell us something about your business, Nick? Yes, what's your specialty, Nick? Me? I go in for banks. Banks? Oh, oh. Nobody can tell me anything about banks. Oh, they're all right as a starter, but... There's no money in them. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Would you call 60,000 bucks in one hall a bad clip? No. 60,000? That was our gross on the Westmore bank job. You must have read it in the papers, Fatty. In the papers? Sure. I guess your boy here read about it. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Westmore job. Uh, hey, Nick, I, I didn't know you pulled that job. Hey, sure. And with only six guys. Just goes to show you. Sure does. Just goes to show you. Hey, Uncle Clarence? Uh, why, yes, Dan, it certainly does. It just goes to show you. You see, Fatty, it doesn't always take a lot of guys to make up a good organization. Yeah, yes, I, I see your point, Nick. So, Uncle Clarence, don't you think you and Nick ought to get together, huh? Well, there's something in what you say. I think maybe we will. Well, I'm glad that's set, uh, Hey, Uncle Clarence, uh, suppose I go call up your local contact and have him come right over? Call up my, uh, 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 uh your uh, local contact. Oh. Uh, 
Seeing as how Nick and him's going to be working pretty close, as soon as they meet, the better. Oh, swell idea. I'd like to meet the guy. But a phone booth's right out by the bar. Thanks, I'll be right back. Oh, boy, what a break. This'll show Uncle Matthew. Show mine as dumb as he thinks I am. I'll bet I get a medal for this. Dan McGarry, where in heaven's name are you? We've been waiting and waiting. Hold on a minute, Mouse. I just captured the Westmore bank robbers. You what? I mean, I got them right here at Mike's place, corner of Chestnut and Gower. Tell Uncle Matthew to get here as fast as he can and help me put the arm on him. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell Uncle Matthew right away. He has a squad car out front. Tell him to shake it up, Mouse. The quicker we bring in Scousy, the quicker we get promoted to Detective First Grade. Detective Look, McGarry, we don't settle for anything less than lieutenant. All right, Scalzi, all right, stand in front of that microphone. Gosh, I ain't never been to a police lineup before. It's exciting, huh, Joe? Yeah, exciting. <laughs> okay, Scalzi, okay. Now then. Have you got anything to say for yourself? Uh, just a word of advice to my fellow thieves here. Mm. Boys, don't never get mixed up with dolls or toy manufacturers. Okay, boys, take them away, take them away. Well, this is the greatest thrill I've ever had, seeing a big bank robber, Jane. Oh, it was wonderful. Dan, however did you do it? Well... Well, it took a lot of brain power, Mouse. Uh, that there's a story I can tell our kids when we're married. Yes, Dan. And the little punks better believe me. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. From Hollywood, Colgate Tooth Powder presents the Mel Blanc Show with Mary Jane Croft, Joe Kearns, Hans Conried, Earl Ross, the sportsman, Victor Miller and his orchestra, and starring the creator of the voice of Bugs Bunny... What's up, Doc? Yes, Colgate Tooth Powder, for a breath that's sweet and teeth that sparkle, brings you the Mel Blanc Show with Mel playing his new character, Zookie. Hello, everybody, everybody, Hello, everybody, everybody. Himself in person, Mel Blank. Hi, folks. Ugga, ugga, boo. Ugga, boo, boo, ugga.
lovely Indian summer night in Mel Blanc's little town, the spirit of romance is in the air, and the courting Casanovas are buying favors with which to greet their girlfriends. In the florist shop, Sam Brown is saying, Here's five dollars. Give me the best orchid in the place. And in the sweet shop, Henry Jones is saying, Here's ten bucks. Give me the biggest box of candy you got. And in another shop, Mel Blanc is saying, I want some flowers and candy for my girl Betty. Here's my money. Okay. Hey, Joe, give this guy two daisies and a jelly bean. <laughs> so Mel had it wrapped as a gift and presented it to Betty. Right now, we find Mel sitting with Betty in her front parlor, enjoying their favorite pastime, looking at the family album. Oh, look, Mel, here's a picture of my cousin Dottie when she was two years old. Oh, what a cute little bathing suit. <laughs> yeah. And here's a picture of her taken 17 years later. Hmm, still wearing the same bathing suit. <laughs> Isn't it awful how little girls wear these days? Yeah. <laughs> uh, terrible. Hmm, <laughs> Dottie sure is... Mel, um... turn the page. Okay. Oh, 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 What are you laughing at? Oh, Betty, who's that stupid, anemic-looking character you're standing next to? <laughs> <laughs> Darling, that's you. <laughs> Mm. What a handsome devil. <laughs> oh, here's a picture of my great-grandmother in uniform. You know, she served in the Civil War on the southern side. Hmm. What do you know, a Confederate whack? <laughs> Gosh, look at Dottie. I can't get over Now, her. stop going back to that page. Oh, here's a picture of Uncle George Colby and his wife waving goodbye from the ship before they left for France. Well, who's that big woman waving back? That is the Statue of Liberty. Oh, Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Well, well, well. Mel, stop looking at Dottie's picture. Huh. What's the matter, Betty? You're a little cross today. Well, I don't know how to break this to you, Mel, but father is moving the family away from here. Oh, but Betty, what about your father's supermarket? He's found a buyer from out of town. But, but where will you live? Well, if the deal goes through, Daddy and he will exchange houses. Oh, Betty, we've got to get married right away. Mel, you've been saying that for five years. Well, I'll buy the supermarket myself. But you have no money. I'll go to the bank and get a loan. But, Mel, you have no credit. Then I'll get a GI loan. Mel Blank, I refuse to wait another five years. <laughs> but, Betty, I, I may never see you again. I won't let your father do it. I'll burn the supermarket. Oh, no. I'll... There's some man coming up the steps. I've never seen him before. Say, do you suppose it could be the man who's going to buy the supermarket? Well, Dad and I have never seen him, but he's supposed to be here tomorrow. That's why Father went out for the evening. Betty, I've got it. If it is the buyer, I'll pretend I'm your father and kill the deal. Oh, but Mel... Betty, I've heard your father yell so often, it's a cinch for me to do it. Besides, I'm a natural-born actor. See if I don't sound like your father. <coughs> Mel Blank, I'll break every bone in your body. But, Father, I mean, uh, Mel... See? <laughs> Uh, come in. How do you do? My name is Billings, Percy W. Billings. I'm here on a matter of business. Is Mr. Colby in? Uh, pleased to meet you, Mr. Billings. I'm Colby, and uh, <clears throat> this is my daughter, Betty. Your daughter? You look rather young to be the father of this girl. Why, uh, uh she's only 12 years old. <laughs> well, she's a rather mature girl for 12. <laughs> well, you think so? You should see her cousin, Dottie. <laughs> Father, get away from that photograph album. 
I know that I was due in tomorrow, Mr. Colby, but my astrologer told me the stars were more advantageous for our meeting tonight. Aquarius was crossing Pisces, and the best sign for supermarkets is Aquarius and Pisces. Yes, I've seen the sign, A and P. <laughs> oh, a fellow astrologer. Uh, uh, no, I'm uh, much more concerned with the bumps on the head. Do you use phrenology? No, Band-Aids. <laughs> Well, let's get down to business. Uh, daughter, do you mind leaving the room? Uh, Mr. Billings and I have a deal to kill. I mean, to make. Good night, Father, but be careful. Oh, uh, daughter, you can leave the album here. By the way, I hope I didn't inconvenience you by arriving tonight instead of waiting until tomorrow. The stars, you know. Oh, that's quite all right, Mr. Billings. Uh, too bad you didn't get here a little earlier. Why? Oh, you missed a beautiful fire at the supermarket. Supermarket? Yes, everybody in town was there, except Joe Moore, Phil Carr, and Mac Brown. Was it necessary for them to be there? Yes. They're the firemen. <laughs> oh, but it didn't matter. The fire went on without them. That must have caused a great deal of damage at the market. What market? Oh, this is dreadful. I came here for nothing. Something must have gone wrong with my horoscope. I knew I should have had another meeting with my astrologer before I left. Oh, hello, everybody. I'm home. Oh, it's you, Mel. <clears throat> Haven't you left yet? You, you got home early, didn't you? Who is this man? Oh, well, that's uh, my son. <laughs> You've got the oldest children I've ever seen. <laughs> children? Pardon me, sir. Who are you? My name is Billings, Percy W. Billings. Oh, 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 I've been waiting for you. My name is Colby. But this man's name is Colby. In fact, he just told me the supermarket burned down. Oh, so long, everybody. Uh, where are you going? To put out the fire. Mel Blank? Wait a minute, Mr. Billings. I'm Colby. This man is Mel Blank. The market didn't burn. In fact, I'm selling because I don't want my daughter Betty to see this nincompoop again. Well, I I I'm confused. There's only one thing for me to do. What's that? I must send for my astrologer and consult with him. Where is the telephone? Oh, uh, right there. Thank you. Oh, and Mel, as long as this is your last visit to my house, allow me to show you out personally. Oh, you don't have to, Mr. Colby. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> He's so polite. <laughs> Oh, what a mess. If Mr. Billings consults that astrologer and buys a supermarket, Mr. Colby will move out of town and I'll never see Betty again. Gosh, what'll I do? I wonder if her cousin Dottie has a phone. say, let's dance, but that breath of trouble says no romance. Do you think you could be guilty of this breath of trouble? I mean, unpleasing breath? It happens to thousands without their knowing. So just do this. Brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate Tooth Powder. For Colgate Tooth Powder cleans your breath as it cleans your teeth. Yes, scientific tests have definitely proved that in seven cases out of ten, Colgate Tooth Powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. What's more, no dentifrice at any price cleans your teeth more quickly and thoroughly than Colgate Tooth Powder. 
Remember to buy it first thing. And remember the name, Colgate Tooth Powder, with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate Tooth Powder. And now, Victor Miller, the sportsman and blue sky. sun shining so bright never saw things that were going so right notice in the days they're hurrying by when you're in love my mind they fly high blue days troubles all of them gone nothing but blue skies blue skies from now on like Mr. Colby is going to sell his supermarket and move out of town with Mel's girl, Betty. However, before completing the deal, Mr. Billings has sent for his favorite astrologer and has asked him to hold a meeting at the Colby house. Mel is desperately trying to figure out something to do to stop him. Right now, we find Mel in his fix-it shop talking to Betty's kid brother, Tommy. Gosh, Tommy, everything happens to me. Do I have to lose my girl? Do I have to do everything wrong? Do I have to be a failure? You don't have to, Mel. You're just doing what comes naturally. Gee, Tommy, I wonder why your father hates me so much. Maybe it's because he tries so hard. Oh, I just can't understand it. Is it because I have no money? Is it because I'm unsuccessful? Is it because I'm unreliable? Tommy, say something. Don't just stand there nodding. Look, Mel, it looks like my papa's going to sell the supermarket to Mr. Billings. Now, I like this town and I don't want to leave, so I got an idea. I'm supposed to go down on the train and bring the crystal ball gazer to my house. Now, Oh, uh... wait a second, Tommy. Here comes Mr. Cushing, my lodge president. Hello, Mel. Greetings, mighty potentate. Oh, uh, pardon my saying so, Mr. Cushing, but you're not looking very well. Yeah, I know. Something you ate? No, someone I married. <laughs> what an argument we had last night, Mel. You had an argument with a little woman? Mel, she may be little, but she's all mouth. <laughs> uh, now, 
a yacht at all day long. She follows me around yapping at me. You know, Mel, it's almost impossible to concentrate on my housework. You do the housework? Why don't you put your foot down? Mel, the only time I put my foot down is to start the vacuum cleaner. Gosh, your wife sure is tough. Tough? She's the toughest woman in the world. Mel, when we have an argument, my wife doesn't go home to her mother. She sends me. I'd leave her in a minute if she didn't have all that money. But I don't know why I'm standing here telling you all this. It's just that I've got no one to talk to. Well, if you think you have troubles, Mr. Cushing, listen to this. Mr. Colby's selling the supermarket, and my girlfriend Betty's moving out of town. Well, is there no way to stop them? Well, it all depends on a certain astrologer who's arriving tonight to hold a meeting with a buyer. Well, Mel, suppose someone sidetracks the astrologer... You take over as the astrologer's assistant, and as such, you advise this buyer not to buy. Gee, that's a wonderful idea. How did you ever think of it so fast? My boy, after living with my wife for 25 years, I've developed a criminal mind. going, mighty potentate? Well, I've got two alternatives. They're showing a Boris Karloff picture at the Bijou, or I can go home and look at my wife. <laughs> so long, Mel. Yes, Mel. Hey, do you want to stay in town? Oh, yeah. Well, here's how you can do it. Get a hold of my assistant, Zuki, and tell him to meet the astrologer at the train. Oh, I get him, Mel. But who's going to look into the crystal ball at my house? <laughs> Who do you think? What a disgrace. Whitmore, the mystic, two hours late. Zuki, can't you get this car started? Well, uh, don't worry. I'll, I'll fix it. Now, you see, you take this wrench here and you tighten the carburetor. You tighten the carburetor. You tighten the carburetor. Come on, Yogi, let's push. Hello? Oh, Zuki. Oh, Whitmore the Mystic is with you? Well, where's Mel? You'll be here any minute. As the Maharaja. <laughs> okay, good. So long. Oh, uh, Father, yes. the Maharaja should be here any minute. Oh, good, good. Although, Mr. Billings, now that the deal is all set, I can't understand why you want to depend on some fake Maharaja to tell you what to do. Mr. Colby, my man is no fake. He is a Harvard graduate. His name is Whitmore, and his approach is purely scientific. Oh, well, that's the way you want it. Oh, that must be him now. Come in. 
Hello. Oh, Yanko, Maharaja, he say, what's up, Doc? Who are you? I didn't think anyone like you would come. You were expecting maybe Maharaja Nussbaum. Where is Whitmore the mystic? Oh, Mystic couldn't come. He called Crystal Ball Union. They send me. Oh, this is ridiculous. Oh, good for you. You properly suspicious. Maharaja just make jokes. Actually, Maharaja assistant to Whitmore the Mystic. Well, that's different. Maharaja, this is Mr. Colby. Oh. Greetings. Maharaja can tell Mr. Colby is a seventh son of a seventh son of a seventh son. Why, nothing of the kind. I'm the fifth son of a second son of an only son. Well, anyway, you're a son of a son. <laughs> now, gentlemen, please darken room. Be seated. I look in crystal ball. Maharaja, I've called you here to determine whether or not I should buy the Colby supermarket. Oh, supermarket, tough question to answer. You ask me about bowling parlor, that more up my alley. <laughs> Maharaja. Oh, oh, spirit of other world, Maharaja calls upon you. Ah, I see Uncle George called B and wife. I see grandmother who served in civil war, and I see... Uh... <whistles> uh, who do you see? Cousin Dottie. <laughs> This is preposterous. My family dates back hundreds of years. What about the Colby who served with George Washington, hmm? Me try. A Colby spirit of revolution come to me. Uh, I hear him. Listen. Granny Struga strapped to White Moscow. What's that? Oh, sorry. Wrong revolution. Oh. Uh, I see him now. He is crossing the Delaware with George Washington. Washington is standing in the boat and Colby is saying something. Yes, what's he say? Down in front! Just oh. <laughs> a second, Maharaja. You've done nothing but insult my family. Why, Joshua Colby was in the Fife and Drum Corps in 1776. Quiet. The spirits are coming closer. Closer, I can hear it now. You can hear it? Yes. The spirit of 76. Listen. <laughs> exhibition of crystal gazing. Mr. Colby, this is preposterous. This assistant has wasted our time completely. The deal for the supermarket will have to wait for a more favorable time. Goodbye. Oh. Don't worry, Mr. Colby. Spirit really say don't sell supermarket. Spirit say young man coming into your daughter's life make fortune. Huh? His name is uh, Mel Blank. Oh, very good looking. What? That ugly nincompoop? Careful who you're calling out. Uh, careful? Oh, I mean Maharaja. Oh, I, 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 it's you. I, Boy, I'm going to break every bone in your body. Oh, but Mr. Colby, I... <laughs> Mel, darling, how do you feel? Oh, fine. I stopped you from moving away and I established a new record. A new record? Yeah, that's twice I've been thrown out of your house in one day. Mel Blanc will be back in just a minute. Use Colgate tooth powder, keep smiling just right. Use it each morning and use it each night. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate 
Could it be that a breath of trouble, I mean, unpleasing breath, has spiked your romance? It's happened to thousands without their knowing. Be on your guard. Night and morning and before every date, brush your teeth with Colgate Tooth Powder. For Colgate Tooth Powder cleans your breath as it cleans your teeth. Yes, scientific tests have definitely proved that in seven cases out of ten, Colgate Tooth Powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. What's more, no dentifrice at any price cleans your teeth more quickly and thoroughly than Colgate Tooth Powder. Remember to buy it first thing. And remember the name, Colgate Tooth Powder, with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate Tooth Powder. This is Mel Blank saying thanks for listening. Good night, and uh, that's all, folks. This is Bud Houston reminding you that Colgate Tooth Powder for a breath that's sweet and teeth that sparkle brings you the Mel Blank Show every Tuesday at this time. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday night for more fun with Mel and the people you'll meet in Mel Blank's Fix-It Shop. <laughs> 